0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to Robin. Everyone loves the Drake comic podcast. Um, I wanted to put this in the beginning of the show, as most everybody knows, uh, this past Thursday, uh, April 21st, we lost uh, Prince. And uh, as I'm editing the show here on uh, Sunday of the 24th, uh, getting the final pieces in place for the podcast that you are listening to Um I thought that I, I wanted to be able to say something here really quick, and somebody may be asking, well, Rob, why are you kind of talking about Prince on uh, Everyone Loves the Drake podcast? Uh, Tim came out in uh, 1989 in the comics, and uh, I was knee-deep in reading comics, actually neck-deep in reading comics at that time, and also because there was this little movie that came out in 1989, of course, uh, Batman. uh Prince wrote an amazing soundtrack, and there was no Escaping Bat Dance that summer, and as I was reading my comics, I was listening to the Danny Elfman score, and I was listening to the Prince uh, soundtrack album. As I was riding bikes with my friends, I'd have my cassette tape player and headphones on, and I'd go out and just ride around, and I was listening to Prince's soundtrack, and even most recently... While Terrence and I were doing a Batman and Robin Eternal podcast, I put a couple Prince songs as, you know, kind of outro music uh into the podcast and uh you know, hearing about his passing just really kind of made me uh, think and you know just reflect on Prince's uh, career. And being a a child of the '80s, you could not help but become a Prince fan. Uh, just watching MTV, you were bound to see one of his many music videos. And Purple Rain was out right around that time. And uh, just everything through MTV and radio and the 89 movie, Prince was everywhere. And there was no escaping the Batman soundtrack in that summer as well. And then going on to the latter part of his career through the 90s and 2000s up until most recently, uh, Prince was always putting out, you know, very powerful and strong music. So. In lieu of the normal opening that I would have for the show, um, I couldn't think of a better song uh, to play for the start of the show. And it's one of my favorite Prince songs and also comes from the 1989 Batman movie. It is the song, Arms of Orion, that he did a duet with uh, Sheila Easton. And uh, I always loved that song. I would play it over and over again, and I was just listening to it yesterday yesterday. And I think it's just a, a beautiful piece of music, and I think it's really kind of fitting. And I know most everybody out there is probably that is a Prince fan or has liked Prince has already been playing some music and uh, just kind of celebrating uh, his life. That's kind of what I want to do here. So for the opening, uh, we will turn it over to Prince and uh, a song that I absolutely love. It's The Arms of Orion.
1: Hold us both together Although we're worlds apart
2: i cross the stars
0: for you
1: I find my comfort there
0: This podcast is brought to you by the Batman Universe.net, your home for all things Batman and Robin. And speaking of places where you can find us, you can also find us on Twitter at ELTD Podcast. And if you'd like to email us, you can do so at eltd Podcast at Yahoo.com. And then if you're on Facebook, you can look up Everyone Loves the Drake, and we have a Facebook page there. Now that we got all of that out of the way, I'd like to welcome back uh, Ryan Haas, who was on our previous uh, episode for uh, Batman vs. Superman that we did, and again, Ryan is uh, a contributor to Batman on film, and he has a Super Mario Bros. Uh, video game site at smbmovie.com. So Ryan, welcome back to the show again.
2: Yeah, thanks Rob. Uh, had a great time last time, and I just can't wait to talk more Batman and Robin stuff. It's awesome.
0: And, as always, is my co-host, Terrence. He is back with us tonight also. How are you doing tonight, Terrence?
1: Yeah, great. Yeah, thanks for coming back on, Ryan. I felt like... Last time we sold you Gile- Gile- um, a false uh, bill of sales, I guess, because we're like, yeah, come on, we'll talk about the showcase issues and the the you know Tim Drake stuff from the 90s, and then we- well, all we did was talk about Batman versus Superman. <laughs> yeah, so I was like, we've got to have back on right away and and get into the 90s. <laughs>
2: no, it's fine. It's a it's 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 a cool. Um, it was like a cool built-in thing. It was like, well, I already got the issues and I read them. <laughs> so, <laughs> awesome. I think and, that. Uh, I was go just ahead. gonna
0: say I think that's our hook that we need to start doing. Terrence, we'll we'll get somebody on the show. Tell him, hey, we're gonna have you on the show. Uh, you know, go out and purchase these old comics, and then we won't talk about them. <laughs> yeah. And then we'll get him for a second episode. So that that's our hook. How we get you into the show? Uh, what would you well, have, uh, Terrence?
1: Oh, I, I just want to uh, thank Ryan for. Um, you know, I, I'm a huge Batman on film fan, and I, I love the work that they've been doing on the um, the box office of Batman v Superman and, and their mm-hmm. podcasts and analyzing the whole extended DC universe and um, the latest podcast, which I just listened to. Ryan had mentioned being on ours and was very complimentary about our Mm -hmm. podcast and everything. So I just wanted to thank him for all that awesome work and and thank him for the kind words. And it's just so awesome that like somebody is like so into the box office as much as I am, because I remember going to college, I went to college from 92 to 96, and it was really hard to find box office and people didn't care. And I would go, I, I went to a huge state university in New York, and they, they had a library with like journals from all over and they had have weekly variety. And I would go in the library and weekly variety in the back would have the listing of the, the whole box office for like the top 40 films or something. And I'd be just like the lone guy looking in the <laughs> library. And now that there's like so many websites and podcasts and box office mojo and all this stuff, it's it's pretty awesome
0: uh what was the uh for the those people that haven't heard uh, maybe not through this show uh ryan do you have the latest uh tallies for batman versus superman as we'll talk about it just here a little bit
2: yeah and actually there's a brand new bof podcast that came out like an hour ago it's like a 25 minute recap thing uh bbs was actually number four this weekend under the jungle book barbershop and the boss it's uh i think it made like nine million dollars or something (laughs) this weekend so it's kind of it's kind of tanked at this point i think uh it's it'll be good if it gets to 850 um worldwide uh but we're we're not hopeful that it'll get that you know a whole heck of a lot higher than that
1: it's pretty amazing that it can make right now it's at 311 million according to box office mojo domestic and five sixteen million foreign for eight twenty seven million worldwide and that's considered like a failure and and, you know like it's like (laughs) yeah yeah but it's it's um,
2: it's 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 a failure in context that's the problem it's like it was a movie that was expected to do a billion dollars and it's fallen short of that uh and you when you throw on the critical overall critical reception it's kind of a it's it's not what exactly what Warner Brothers was hoping for you
1: know and that's what I wanted to mention, Rob, about Batman v Superman. I, I kind of have this feeling that, you know, it's getting, you know, the, the, I think how should I say this? I think in a year from now, or or a year and a half from now, this movie will be uh, much highly thought, much more highly thought of than it is right now. Because I think a lot of people who haven't seen it have like heard word of mouth that this is the worst movie ever made and it's just garbage and it's terrible. And it's not. It's actually a pretty good movie. It's just not perfect or the the slam dunk and i think a lot of people will see it on blu-ray and see maybe see the extended cut maybe see it on netflix or hbo and expecting this horrendous movie and then their expectations will be so low and they'll be like you know this is actually pretty good this is not bad you know and um i didn't know i was going to throw that out to you guys and think do you think at when more people see it in different formats it'll get a, a, a better um appraisal you know i
0: i think so and I think as the DCEU continues to go on, I think people will go back to this movie and go, oh, okay, now that kind of makes sense. Um I think we've said before, at least kind of my opinion – it's kind of like a comic book, much like one of the books that we're going to be talking about tonight, where the first page, I was kind of like, did did I miss something? I felt like I came right in. Oh, boy. To, to... I'm the only one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I You came in right to part of the action. I kind of feel like that's how this movie is for a lot, maybe some of the parts that people had a problem with. I think by the time Justice League, you know, one is done and we've all seen it. And we've seen Wonder Woman. We've seen, you know aquaman or whatever it is we'll go back to this movie and go oh okay that makes so much more sense so i i think as time goes on i I, I agree with you terrence that people are going to start looking at this more fondly and then like you said the people that go i I guess it's on tv i'll watch it they'll probably say oh it's not so bad so that's that's my two cents uh ryan
2: well so i think um The two two big standout things from BVS in terms of what people really liked overall was uh, uh, Ben Affleck's Batman and Wonder Woman, you know, Gal Gadot's Wonder Woman. And in Suicide Squad coming up in August, we have, you know, Batman's in that. And then the next movie after that is a Wonder Woman movie. So I think if those movies are good and people like them, then that can only help people going back words and uh looking at bbs again or if they didn't see it the first time around to go see it again. And I think that's the same thing that happened uh for Batman Begins and The Dark Knight. You know, Batman Begins uh had legs, it had a good word of mouth and everything, but it didn't it wasn't a box office, you know, smash, but uh when The Dark Knight came out and did uh really well, a lot of people went back and uh experienced Batman Begins. So I don't know if that I don't know if that'll help the overall reception of the film um, and even if the director's cut is awesome i I think the damage is kind of done uh, but it could mellow out a little bit as uh, as these next couple of films come out I
0: think
1: yeah definitely hey Rob I have a question for you after what's happened with Batman v Superman are you a, a, do you feel the same about Justice League, or are you a little worried about Jack's uh, Zach, uh, Jack <laughs> Zach Snyder's view of Justice League? Because I was thinking, like, um like you and I get along pretty well because we kind of like the same things, and we like them for the same reason. And when Zach Snyder was like first announced, and he did the Comic Con, and he was reading stuff from The Dark Knight, um, um Dark Knight Returns, and uh, you know the alley scene, I was kind of like, oh yeah, he's a comic book fan, he's a comic book guy, he loves The Dark Knight Returns, I love The Dark Knight Returns, and now I'm wondering like. Does he like it for the same reason I like it? Like, does he like the, you know, and I, I'm a little worried now of his Justice League take. Not like petrified, but just a, a little worried. But is it, has it changed your view on Justice League at all?
0: No, uh, not so much. Uh, I think it was probably Batman on film uh, that I heard this on. That I've got to believe there's somebody somewhere now standing over Zack Snyder's shoulder going what else do you have or what else is going on i i think with this film the way it was received i just don't think warner brothers is blindly going to go oh just go ahead and make make the same movie that you made last time i think somebody's going to be looking at the dailies more and go and probably critiquing it a heck of a lot more if if not i, I would be shocked so i don't think it scares me as much as it probably should. The only thing that does scare me that uh, today is the 17th, so they have been filming or doing something for about seven days now. And aside from the cast working out and doing all these you know, different selfies on Instagram and Twitter, not much has come out, and has the press release even come out yet? Because normally once a film or film starts filming, they'll start sending out a press release of like, you know, we're filming, this is, you know yada yada whatever's going on so that's the only thing that has me scared is that nothing has officially come out yet other than you know checking henry cavill's twitter feed so that's (laughs) so that's the only thing that has me scared of you know unless they're keeping everything under lock and key and they're not telling anybody anything so nothing gets out so that's that's me Uh, ryan any thoughts
2: uh well from the the last question about um am i any less uh excited about justice league Uh, I'm not. And my answer is that I'm not any less excited about it. But that's kind of the problem to me. I feel like, for me anyway, as a primary Batman, I love the DC universe for sure. Like I love all the characters. I at times, you know, get uh have subscriptions to a lot of the different comics with the different characters. But uh, Batman's definitely obviously my uh, primary thing. And as a guy that you know likes to see. Batman movies and movies with uh, singular heroes in their own kind of universes. I f- and I felt like when BBS was announced and once we knew that it was going to lead into a Justice League movie, I felt like in this Batman versus Superman movie, it's the transition between you know the standalone films to a wider universe. And I felt like if we're going to do Justice League – by the time I watched Batman versus Superman, if it's supposed to ramp up to Justice League, I had better be so invested in, the fa- in these other Justice League characters or invested in the fact that Justice League is next um, after this. And that did not happen. And I'm not really hearing that happen for a lot of people, mm. uh, especially a lot of us at uh, Batman on film. Like, uh, we're excited for Suicide Squad, we're excited for Wonder Woman, we're excited for the solo Batman movie. But when it comes to Justice League, we're just like, so, I guess, uh, okay, um, and that's kind of, and I, and I feel, and even with the critical reception of BVS and what I think of it, I feel the same uh, excitement towards Justice League as I did before BVS, so I felt like it should have done the opposite, I felt like I should have come out of BVS and been super excited and can't wait for Justice League, and that's not really the case, I'll go see it, but, you know, they kind of didn't do, it, it, the film didn't really do its job in that regard, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, that's I think that's kind of where I'm at too with it. Um it's kind of plateaued. I'm I'm just I'm right there like, okay, it'll it'll, it'll be all right. What had yeah. me excited was that Ben Affleck's going to direct the solo Batman film. He's going to star in the solo Batman film. He's writing the solo Batman film and I'm like, yeah, give me give me more of that. Like you said, the the singular universe. I'm excited for Wonder Woman. I'm excited for Batman. I'm excited to see, you know, an Aquaman movie, but all of them to Together and it's still helmed by Zach. Uh, trebidatious is probably the,
1: the best word for it. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, not only did i learn on, on batman and film um podcast at ryan you've got excellent taste in music because the killers are oh. one of my favorite bands <laughs> they are they are awesome but <laughs>
2: uh, that was a it, fun that was a little impromptu thing at the end they just started spouting out questions but yeah
1: like yeah that was really fun at the end i, I really liked that it was kind of like you, you guys were like well what are you doing and then you kind of got we're going on with it I, I really enjoyed that but um you guys were talking uh, on about the and I, I correct me if i'm wrong because i don't know they're they're DC or Warner Brothers announced dates for two movies, but they didn't announce what exactly those movies were. Have they still not announced what the movies were?
2: Right. Yeah, we still don't
1: know. Okay, because I don't – do you think there's any possibility that one of those movies could be – a solo movie for one of the characters from Suicide Squad, because when when Warner Brothers execs were starting mm-hmm. to see Batman v be Superman before it came out, like the buzz we heard was they loved Ben Affleck and they immediately wanted to sign him to like a three picture deal and have a you know solo Batman film and fast track all that. And uh, the the la- latest Suicide Squad, I don't know how you I uh, trailer, I don't know how you guys felt about it, but I absolutely loved it. I thought it was mm-hmm. amazing. And I even I, now I'm a big Will Smith fan. I like Will Smith. I like Men in Black. And, you know, and I I kind of raised an eyebrow when I heard he was playing Deadshot. I was like, OK. And seeing the trailer, it's not really Deadshot. It's he's playing Will Smith as what you but I, I like Will Smith. I'm I'm OK with it. But I even thought like, well, he, it seems like they've got some of his backstory and it seems like he's got some kind of family. And I can't tell if that's when he's released or a flashback or his origin story. But I was, I kind of thought, wow, a dead shot movie would be awesome. Or Harley Quinn is pretty amazing in the trailer is a Harley Quinn movie. So you think there's any possibility if one of those dates might be for a suicide squad character?
2: It could be. I mean, the, the general consensus that we, we've been kind of thinking is that one of those dates is probably a solo Batman movie. And the other date is probably a suicide, just a full straight on suicide squad sequel. Mm-hmm. It, um, But then again, like you said, if there's like a breakout character or something like Harley Quinn, maybe they could do a solo movie for her. But uh, if Suicide Squad as a group is something that people really seem to like when the movie comes out, it could just be a straight-up Suicide Squad sequel.
0: Yeah, I was kind of thinking the same thing. Um, I I don't know – again, to me it's kind of like – this is DC's Guardians of the Galaxy. Mm -hmm. When Guardians of the Galaxy was announced, it was like, okay, is that the squirrel – Thing you know, that's about all I knew of it coming out of that that film. I was like, "Wow, Guardians are really cool." So for some people, still may not know who Guardians are. I don't think any one of the Guardians of the Galaxy can stand alone on their own movie, even if it's you know the Suicide Squad. If it's Harley Quinn, I don't know how strong she is by herself without having a member of the Suicide Squad or referencing the joker or something like that but as a whole i i'm more thinking it's probably a suicide squad like if this movie does really yeah. well then that extra slot's going to go to the suicide squad
2: yeah so to, to to play off that if you look at comics it's always pretty notoriously difficult to have like a solo comic book series focused on a single villain you know you look at like the the joker series from the 70s that daniel O'Neill did like it was like 10 issues or something right um I know, I know Harley Quinn's had solo comics and things like that, but in general, it seems to be the, the more um, Suicide Squad, Secret Six, you know, more uh, group-based things uh, tend to stick around longer just because there's more to play off of, and uh, that's something that people kind of respond to a little bit better.
1: Yeah, it seems in those the, those books that are based on a villain, somehow the villain starts becoming less of a villain and right. kind of yeah. starts being a good guy and, right. you know... Um, yeah. What would you think of the trailer, Rob? I, I loved it. Yeah.
0: Um, there were, In the back of my mind, I loved the Batman vs. Superman trailers. I'm like, oh man, this is great. I, I I can't wait to see it. I'd be lying if there wasn't a small part of me that's going, is this going to be like BVS that I love the trailer so much? And then the movie, I'm going to go, oh, it's not what the trailer painted. But now having seen BVS and looking back at it you can go "Eh, the trailer did basically say what the finished product was going to be so um i'm i love the trailer i thought it was great and i'm with you i'm a i'm a will smith fan (laughs) as well you know so it looks like kind of will smith playing will smith but you can kind of see some some depth into the character there and uh i i loved it um (laughs) The uh, the line I love is, you know, when the flag is going through. You know, if you make me angry, you're you're dead. You're this. You're that. And she's like, if you vex me, you know, yeah. Harley's like, I've been known to be quite vexing. I was like, man, if if there yeah. are moments like that throughout the uh, movie, and then just the intense, you know, action where you kind of see uh, El Diablo and uh, Deadshot going back and forth. He's like, are you there? Are you there? And then it, it, of course it cuts somewhere else. But seeing Will Smith being like, "Whoa, whoa! I, I was just trying to get you there," uh, just really made me smile. And uh, you know, that was something I don't think a lot of us did in Batman versus Superman. Is smile a whole lot. So uh, yeah, I'm I'm excited for this. And if the trailer, if the movie delivers on what the trailer showed, I'll, I'm going to be completely happy. Ryan?
2: Yeah the the latest Suicide Squad trailer was excellent. As was the other two trailers we've mm-hmm. seen. I mean. I, like I said on the last B O F podcast, I just feel like they're firing on all cylinders for Suicide Squad. I don't really have any complaints, and um, if you were saying that the movie has a lot of action, you know, I, that's that's the primary reason for these reshoots they're doing right now is to add more action, mm-hmm. uh, and it already seems that action packed. Uh, I, yeah, I just love everything about it. You know, the characters the are, are are pretty appealing. This particular trailer I thought did a really good job of in- of making me. Kind of start to be invested in some of the second tier characters. Like I even thought uh, Boomerang had some cool looking scenes. Mm -hmm. El Diablo had some cool looking little moments. Uh, There's a little scene with uh, Boomerang and Katana that I thought was really cute. Like (laughs) I mean, there's all. I mean, if if there and like you said, the line of Harley Quinn saying about how she's known to be quite vexing. If the film is chock full of that kind of nice combination of humor and wit and seriousness, I, I think it'll, it'll be excellent. And by comparison, the now that BBS has been out, I think a lot a lot of the really good dialogue and moments in BBS were all in the trailers. Mm-hmm. Like, the really good stuff was. And I hope that is not the case for Suicide Squad. I hope there's just... I hope we're seeing, you know, 10% of the, the cool stuff and that there's just so much more in the film itself.
0: I think something that has has it going for it it's and i'm not trashing on Zack snyder but for people that were like i don't know BBS, you know didn't do so well because of zach this isn't a Zack snyder film so for people that kind of maybe are thinking you know we're we're two hiccups into the dceu i think this could kind of write the course a little bit and steer us towards a better outcome especially heading down the road towards wonder woman and then probably getting to comic-con i would imagine we're probably going to see some type of footage from justice league so if suicide squad does very well and the footage from comic-con does you know win some people over and wonder woman does very well i think things will, will hopefully be back on course uh, any any final things there terrence
1: uh no just uh yeah it's, it's august seems like a long way away but can't wait to see it yeah yeah <laughs> well with that uh we are going to get
0: into the meat of the show uh welcome to robin everyone loves the drake and welcome to the show
1: let's all sing pop goes the weasel
0: Of the weasel, I see the empty pocket needs a refill. I got a. With a list of complainers, I should have started rape rappers against phony entertainers so we can make it known that we won't get swayed. It's 91, son, so something's gotta change. Getting paid, pedal sneakers, and soda pop pop, pop, pop pop goes the weasel and draws drop drop. 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 Why not take it? top 10 pop hit, fix the music and make sense. This rhymes fit. I it's the fact that you can't be autistic. Intricate raps becoming so simplistic. I got a strong mind, it doesn't have to be spoon fed, and I can read, it doesn't have to be read.
1: So someday,
2: a letter written. Legally to go the ways of the weasel.
0: All right, we're back. Pop, and uh before we get into our comics, we're gonna be looking at two showcase issues. Um, I've been tweeting out a couple images and uh the uh icon for Twitter has changed, and the icon for Facebook has changed, and you've kind of seen the silhouette of the re-Drake, which, you know, as cheesy as that may be, of course, it's a play on words for um, DCs doing their rebirth, and um, I'm going to blame Terrence for this. And it's an idea that I had while we were doing uh, the Robin War series, uh, Terrence and I for the Batman universe, and then I drug him to another podcast. (laughs) We did uh, Batman and Robin Eternal, and something that Terrence and I had kind of been saying on and off, you know, Mike or whatever, that had been a while. I had been reading comics since uh, I had left uh, the Batfans, and I think, Terrence, you probably took a little bit of a break from picking up monthly books
1: um, from. Yeah, but I'm about to get back into it in a big way with rebirth. So, yeah.
0: yeah, as am I. And um, uh, Terrence had said something, you know, and we had mentioned it in the last episode of um, Batman and Robin Eternal. Was I was kind of liking reading the weekly comic series and really getting back into uh, even monthly books. And DC is doing their full rebirth line and somebody from this podcast tim drake is returning to his robin colors and uh, really kind of had me excited and uh, terrence and i were kind of going back and forth is maybe what's missing from the podcast is some current continuity as much as i love going through the 90s books and other uh, podcasts will continue to do that it might be nice to see what tim is doing currently in dc comics so What you will find here on Robin Everyone Loves Loves the Drake is not only are you going to be getting the 90s comics, but as Tim kind of pops in and out through the current DC comic books starting with the June uh, relaunch for uh, Rebirth, Everyone Loves the Drake will also be covering Tim Drake in those comics as he were to appear. Uh, Officially right now at the moment, he's only slated to be in Detective Comics um, I would think that uh, Scott Nader, Scott Snyder Scott Snyder has said <laughs> that uh, you know he wants to open up the entire Bat Family for the story that he's telling. So if he feels like, hey, we got a spot for Tim Drake, he may pop over there. Uh, Tim could pop over in maybe uh, Teen Titans, maybe helping with Damian lead the team over there. So that's kind of what's going to happen here. The main book that we'll be featuring here is going to be Detective Comics, as that's Tim's placeholder. So that's kind of our big news, and I kind of wanted to throw it over to Terrence and kind of see uh, what your thoughts are on uh, DC Comics Rebirth and what are you thinking about uh, now covering uh, Detective Comics uh, on the podcast.
1: Yeah, and uh, I'll just say, too, just so people know, we're not going to do like a three-hour podcast. No, we're going to – after the Nightfall audio drama, we're not going to do the um, synopsis anymore of the new books. We're just going to kind of – we kind of felt it was kind of redundant doing a synopsis, and then we were kind of going over the same stuff in our commentary. So we're just going to do the commentaries but have sort of the synopsis built into the commentary, and so we'll do a book from the 90s and uh, and then – do like what's going on that, you know, this month and the, the, I keep wanting to call it the new 52, but <laughs> I know, the, I know. The, the new rebirth. Uh, uh, so yeah, I kind of like it. We'll have like one foot in the past and one foot in the present. And then if somebody listens to this in, in, in later on, it'll be both feet in the past, just one <laughs> a little further. <laughs> right. Uh, but I kind of like it. Um, you know, my, I, I think I've told you this before, but when the new 52 came out, I bought all 52 books, uh, every month for wow. the first year. Wow. Um, Yeah, and um, after a while, you know, then after the year, I started cutting back. And I, I, when it first came out, I, I felt like, and I, I thought I was hearing from them that they had this like sort of master plan, and um, Mm -hmm. it was all connected. And really, it kind of wasn't. It was Mm kind of like let's just throw stuff against the wall, see what sticks. Hey, Snyder and Capullo, this is a hit. Oh, this, you know, this book's not trash. It trash it trash. You know, and it was kind of all over the place i feel like rebirth it's it's a a, uh they're cutting the line a bit which is probably better um and hearing what i've been reading about like jeff john's overseeing everything and um meeting with all the writing staff and they're gonna have like this two-year story arc um i feel like it's a lot more focused and it's a lot more together than the new 52 was
0: yeah and i really think with having Jeff oversee some people were like, Oh, it's, they're all going to be tied together for people that have been wanting continuity. <laughs> I think it's, it's going to be, you know, pulling, you know, the things from the past that they said, you know, something was missing, you know, the legacy in the history and the new 52 was trying to fit everything into this, you know, five year time capsule. And at least for us, bat fans of going, if it's, if this is a five year time ca- capsule, uh, Batman's gone through like five Robins. and He's have, had one, one a year, Plus a death of one and then getting another one and a son, you know, and all that stuff. So I'm glad with Rebirth, they're going to be filling that up. And then also kind of connecting the books as it was, you know, back in the 90s that some of the stories would kind of slip back and through and you would reference things from other books, not that you necessarily have to buy every single book but the core books that you're reading you can go oh well yeah they were talking about that in superman or you know aquaman was doing such and such so i i like that and i'm I'm excited about that so i think that'll be really cool to add that element to uh everyone loves the drake podcast and we're still kind of working out the format of going Uh, The podcast is set up to be a bi monthly podcast, and we've been doing it basically once a month. So, depending on how things go, you you could get two 30 minute episodes um, out, one in the 90s and one currently, or we'll just do one big episode, but not do like, oh, it's going to be two hours. You know, we'll do. You know, a little 30-minute segment here, a little 30-segment here, and, you know, that's the show. So we're kind of working out those. We've got a a month or so to see kind of how uh, Rebirth is going to fall out for us and how we're going to pick and choose uh, what we do with the 90s books. But we're really close to the Robin ongoing series, so if everything times out right, uh, by the time we hit the 90s Robin 1 series, we should be right in Detective Comics Rebirth, and we'll see what Tim was doing in Robin number one and how Tim is the same or different in detective comics. And I like that detective and action are going back to their old numbering that that makes me really happy.
1: Yeah. And I can't wait till we get to Robin number one. Cause I still think that has the greatest opening page of any series <laughs> issue number one yeah. in the history of comics. Like I'm not going to say it's the greatest series or the greatest issue, but that that first opening page is just so awesome, but I can't wait till we get there.
0: Yeah, definitely. Well, uh, we have been talking about uh, doing a showcase uh, two showcase issues and talking about continuity and trying to figure out where this book actually falls in line with uh, looking at Mike's Amazing World that I always do for uh, the resource. And uh, this book came out right around the time of Batman 492 and 493, which is part one and part two of nightfall as it came out uh, in that month. So the timeline is kind of skewed a little bit. So we'll just leave our continuity handbag off to the side and we'll just enjoy this showcase issue. And uh, Ryan had mentioned on the previous episode that he was collecting uh, comics for a certain character. And uh, you can kind of go into this, Ryan, if you want uh, why you kind of uh, gravitated sure. towards uh, these uh, uh, two uh, books uh, in general.
2: Cool. Can I can I talk about rebirth very briefly? Yes. Okay. I that that's a cool announcement, and I think that's going to be really cool, you guys, for the show. Because and, and you know, Detective Comics is twice a month, so yeah, that could work out really good for your guys' schedule. So for the new, I, I can't believe it, Terrence, you bought all the new Fifty Two for a year. I I started when it came out. I did I did the same thing. I got a lot of books. I got a lot of books that I normally wouldn't get. Uh, and eventually, just like you, like I trailed off when I felt like they. It, it felt a lot of times like they were, the books were getting, were suffering because they were being tied to the to the New 52 like timeline or whatever. Like they were they were that they were too shackled with some of that stuff. I thought, and especially when it comes to like Batman and his extended family, I, I felt like you know out of all a lot of the. 52 characters i feel like tim I, I don't know if you guys would agree but i feel like tim drake really got the sha- got the shaft oh, man. oh yeah it was it was pretty horrible <clears throat> scott lobdell
0: because, <coughs> scott lobdell
2: oh god yeah. <laughs> yeah don't even get me started on that i mean because actually yeah, i'll talk about it because <laughs> i i picked up teen titans only because tim was in it i'm like this is the, okay this is the only book that tim drake is in so i guess nope. i have to get it And he looks like Hawk Boy and not Robin, but okay, I'll get it. And so (laughs) I got Teen Titans for like, God, like a year. And I kept thinking like, it'll get better, it'll get better, it'll get (laughs) better. And it it, it got so terrible. When it got to the point where they did that first big like super crossover with a bunch of books, I was like, okay, I'm out, I'm done. (laughs) And then when they finally got around to doing Tim's Origin, I was like, this is terrible too, <laughs> because it, it was just so bizarre. Like he's in witness protection or whatever, and then he's not—he never was never Robin, and he was only Red Robin. And and I felt like, you know, some of that stuff was okay. And I, I don't know if it's just nostalgia or what, but I just felt like what it, what they came up for for Tim was just kind of a, a it, it paled in comparison to the to the Tim Drake that I knew and loved before. Uh, so I'm super excited. For you know, rebirth a see Tim Drake be Robin again, or Red Robin, I guess, but he looks like Robin. and That's good yeah. enough for me. the The concept behind this new Detective Comics is really cool. Uh, you know, um, who's writing it? Uh, James, James T- Tiny. Tiny, yeah, James yeah. Tiny in the fourth. Like he's he's had experience doing this weekly, biweekly uh, Batman type series with lots of characters in them, and. I think the concept is really cool, you know, Batman and Batwoman, uh, with this extended family with, uh, you know, with Robin and, uh, the spoiler and stuff like that. And I don't know what the deal is with a good Clayface. Maybe, maybe that's more of a recent thing. I don't know.
0: Um, uh, looking at the, uh, I have the previews magazine here and I'm trying to flip through it, uh, really quick. It says something about a uh, Clayface that, uh, sometimes you're not born a villain. You're just, uh, you can be redeemed. I believe that's how that is said. I'm I'm mm. butchering it right now as I can't find mm-hmm. it. So I think it's Batman trying to uh, help rehabilitate. Here we go. Uh, Clayface. The idea with Clayface is that he is not someone who is born bad. He had real-life circumstances that drove him onto his path. Batman thinks he can literally reshape him into a better man.
2: Wow. And that's kind of cool. I mean, it's a different use of a villain that's been around for a long time and – I think that's kind of kind of interesting. So I'm I'm definitely going to pick it up.
0: Um, the, um, just a quick read up on uh, Tim Drake here it says uh, Red Robin, A.K.A. the Dropout. Uh, Red Robin Tim Drake has always kept Batman at arm's length, trying to forge his own road. But he's at a crossroads in the terms of what he wants to do with his life. Maybe hanging up the mask. So mm. I'm thinking this is kind of. As we're coming out of the new 52, ditching the glider wings, Falcon (laughs) costume, and thinking Mm -hmm. he's going to quit, and then winding up where he currently is. That's kind of my take on it. Uh, Yeah, that's cool.
1: Yeah, the other thing I like about Rebirth a lot is that it looks like they're letting a lot of the creators kind of design and have their own way with their characters of their book, and each book is kind of unique. Cause that's what I liked about DC. Like, the difference between DC and Marvel is that Marvel pretty much made all their own characters. Like, those are Marvel characters that came from Marvel Studios or Marvel Comics. Um, there's, most of them are done by like a core group of writers and, and artists, um, depending on which decade they came from. Uh, but DC is, Lots of different creators, uh lots of different companies that were, like, merged together or, you know, Warner Brothers purchased DC and then they purchased other companies and that's how they got, like, Shazam and Blue Beetle. So they're, the DC characters always, to me, had much more, like, unique looks and, and different, you know – um artists designing them and then when they did you know the new 52 it's like oh everything's designed by jim lee and it's like all oh, it looks like jim and, and I, that never really kind of sat right with me i, I kind of like the more variety in dc yeah
0: i'm glad we're kind of we're getting back to that um while it sounds like some of the new 52 continuity is staying i think yeah. a, a lot more Um, is also coming back with it from the past of like, okay, we're kind of keeping continuity going here, but there are things about Superman that were gravely taken out. So those pieces are getting put back in or things about Batman or uh, Tim Drake is a good example. Mm -hmm. Um, the missing pieces, and it makes me happy to know that uh, Tiny grew up with Tim Drake, much like you know uh, you and I, Terrence. That he cut his teeth on the Tim Drake series, and he was you know real adamant about wanting to help uh, return Tim Drake to his former glory. So that yeah. that makes me very happy.
2: And I yeah. love now that there is like as many former Batgirls as there are former Robins. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and they are actually using them. Like you see here, you've got like. You know, Cassandra Cain and Stephanie Brown, and they're being used as characters in this thing. I think that's fantastic. And I, because people like those characters, those just like we love Tim Drake, a lot of people like those other, you know, Batgirls. And I really like that they are using them in a current, you know, comic book.
0: Uh, I kind of want to switch a quick gear since we were talking about that in other previous Batgirls and going on to one of the last shows we did, uh, Batman and Robin Eternal, in the case of. Uh, Stephanie Brown, spoiler, and mm. uh, Cassandra Cain, who is now known as the Orphan. Um, I, and that's kind of continuing over since Tynan, you know, helped write that series with Snyder. He's writing Detective Comics, so I kind of feel like if you enjoyed Batman and Robin Eternal, you're kind of getting more of the same. So I wanted to get your quick thoughts on the conclusion of uh, Batman and Robin Eternal, Terrence, uh, since you uh, missed the uh, last podcast just to kind of you know this will also help tie into a rebirth as well.
1: Yeah, um yeah, sorry I, I couldn't make it, but uh yeah, you know the conclusion um the whole fight with mother and everything was kind of how I, I thought it would all come out, but it was it was done pretty well. Um wasn't too like on the edge of your seat. Oh my gosh, is this, you know, <laughs> are, are they not going to save the world? Um but I I did like um the, the addition now that um, Cassandra can't – you know, I'm not so crazy about the whole title orphan and all yeah. that. I kind of like the Black Bat, but, but at, least yeah, I did too. It, yeah, at least it gives the promise that she's going to be uh, around and that she's going to be used. And I love the spoiler. So Stephanie Brown and that spoiler's custom is awesome. So, um, you know um, – I, I was kind of annoyed the uh, the way they treated Azrael a little bit at the end there. Yeah. Um,
2: oh, I don't know what happened, but you can spoil it. Okay, that well, was one reason. I and then that, that'll tie into the showcase issues. Yeah, get back to those. is because I, I bought a few of those issues in the middle of of. I haven't read all those of the Batman and Robin Eternal. I started like the first three issues, but then it's hard to keep up with it because it's so they come out so often. But when I heard that they were bringing back Jean Paul Valley Azrael, I was like, oh holy crap! And I went and <laughs> I went and got those, but. Did they screw it up at the end?
1: Not not too so much. It's it kind of like the cover had like a, a showdown between Ezreal and, and Dick Grayson. Um, and then in the issue, it really wasn't much of a fight. It was more the next mm-hmm. issue where they kind of fought. Mm-hmm. But it was kind of like Dick Grayson was there to apprehend Mother and John Paul was there to kill her. And so Dick okay. is like trying to get him to not kill Mother, but they end up fighting each other. And it, it just – I don't know. I, I kind of wish – even though as much as I love the character Azrael and I love John Paul Valley and want to see him prominently in the DC universe, I kind of wish they wouldn't have chosen this series to try to reintroduce him and just given him his own like sort of mini miniseries or series mm-hmm. to introduce him. It was kind of – I felt a little shoehorned in and then at the end it was kind of – he wasn't in like, I don't know, seven or eight or nine issues up, right. up to that. And then all of a sudden yeah. I think it was more of a like, hey, don't forget about this guy kind of thing <laughs> yeah, as opposed yeah, yeah. to being a real part of the story um yeah. but but overall it was it was really good to see all these characters interacting i think my favorite was just not even so much the action of the story but just the scenes of just like tim drake and jason todd just like you know giving each other one-liners and you know seeing all the robins interact and stuff so for that i, I really enjoyed it
0: um and it was kind of cool i wanted to hear your take on it this may make uh ryan happy you know where are dick and um Azrael were having their, you know, fight and uh, there, was a, there was a sequence in where, you know, they're destroying the computers and the computer writes itself and Mother's like, oh, you can't stop my computer. Um, it's Azrael that shows up and destroys the main computer and out comes the flaming swords out of both gauntlets where oh. previously had, he had been using just a regular sword. So oh, seeing, man. seeing that splash page, I was like, okay, that feels like Asriel. Uh, what did you think about just that uh, page of seeing Asriel with his flaming swords?
1: Yeah, that was good. I thought the artwork on Asriel for the last you know two or three issues w- was outstanding. Even mm-hmm. the cover of 24, even though it really wasn't kind of what the um, – The issue was about seeing him in that pose when he's got, like, the sword and it's flaming and he's about to, like, bring it down on Dick Grayson, who's, like, jumping away from it. It was a really cool visual. So I I hope there's a lot of him in the new Rebirth. Yeah, definitely. Me too. Well, uh, speaking
0: of Azrael, I think we tried to get into this before, but I believe at, no, 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 it's perfectly fine. Azrael <laughs> uh, is the reason why you ended up picking up these uh, two issues, and I had completely yeah. forgot that he was in here. So when you said that, I was like, "What? He is he really?" <laughs> and you know he is so uh, i have i fell for it the whole entire <laughs> entire way through um so uh, really quick uh, uh, what kind of drew you to uh, Azriel Ryan well, I, uh,
2: so the thing about azriel is um so i'm 28 so uh, when when did these come out they were like uh, the 90, 93. 93 so in okay. 93 i was I was like five my birthday's in November so but that was the around the time where I my parents actually started taking me to the comic book stores and letting me pick out things and of course they would I would get a couple of the newest issues of Batman just because I was reading at early age and everything so the first actual comic book story I remember getting was nightfall stuff um, and it was not and by I by no means did I was I able to get every issue or read every issue or understand what was actually going on or anything. But I do vividly remember going into the comic book store and getting like issue 500, you know, with the foil cover and all that. And they were like, Oh, this is going to be a big deal. And I remember there was a big rack of them <laughs> yeah. and they had all of them up there. So I remember getting like two copies of that. And I got like the, and they, I, they got, my parents got me like the, the newsstand issue. Cause that, that version had like a poster in it or something maybe. Um, yeah. So it, it, I I I love that when I look back on it because around that time period there were so many different interpretations of Batman that I grew to love Batman no matter what you know form he's in so because I had like the movies and I had the animated series and here in the comic books my first actual Batman if I went to pick up an issue was not Bruce Wayne uh, I knew it was a little weird at the time but. I thought it was cool, and I thought it was, this is a cool, you know. And even as a kid, I I, I just, you know, like I said, I didn't really understand why or what was happening or anything, but I, but I knew it was interesting, and it looked cool to me. So that always intrigued me. uh, Afterwards, because I wanted to go back and get as many of those old issues as possible, so I could kind of relive that and 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 really read all that stuff fresh, you know, now that I'm an adult or whatever. Uh, And I love Nightfall overall. And that's a a big reason why I I really enjoy listening to some of these past episodes, of you guys podcasts. is uh, I've read Nightfall over and over again. um, And I largely because I like Asriel and you know, it's a cool storyline, but I have never really read all of the, You know, Azrael solo series. I've read bits and pieces of it. And it's funny, but Terrence, you were mentioning how they integrated Azrael in Batman and Robin Eternal. That's kind of how they used him back when in the 90s, too. Like, he would do stuff in his main series, but then he would kind of just pop up one or two times, like in a No Man's Land or whatever. But when they actually go back and reprint the stories, they... Actually, conspicuously leave out the Azrael issues a lot of the times, <laughs> you <Yeah>. know. <laughs> so it always seems like he's kind of an under underrated, underappreciated character, I think. And so for me, I'm just trying. I've been trying to go back and just get uh, every appearance of uh, Jean-Paul Valley Azrael from uh, sort of Azrael all the way to his uh, solo series, kind of like you guys are doing with Tim Drake. So that led me to getting, you know, I've got a lot of the Nightfall stuff already. I'm I'm five issues short of ha- getting the complete 100-issue run of uh, Agent of the Bat or Azrael. Yeah. But there's a lot of intermittent random issues, uh, like stuff in the Showcase uh, series, that have Azrael stuff in them. And so I was getting like lots on eBay or whatever of two or three issues here, two or three issues there, just to get some of the things that Azrael was in. And so eventually... When you guys were like, oh, we're doing these Showcase issues, I went through my collection because I was like, actually, I think I've probably got actually owned some of these just because I've gotten them uh, while buying other issues just because it was a lot that had a issue that Azrael was in. So I actually have Showcase 93, 5, and 6.
1: Cool. Terrence, do you have these physical copies? Of- um, I have. Oddly enough, I've, I've got Showcase 93. I've got number 6. I don't have number 5. Uh, from um, when it originally came out in the 90s. And then I also have 7 and 8, which that is a Nightfall uh, tie-in, parts 13 and 14. It's a two-faced story. And then I have numbers 11 and 12, which were a Nightwing story, but Tim Drake is on the cover. And it's actually a Tim Drake, um, Dick Grayson, like, team-up story. Um, so I bought five, I actually ended up buying five and six, um, digital as well, just to be able to read it. Um, so I don't know why I have six, but not five. It must've got lost somewhere.
0: Uh, I don't own five or six and I can't believe I, I could have swore when you had said, Hey, are we going to do the showcase issues? I was like, Oh yeah, of course we are. And I looked and looked through my, you know, short boxes, long boxes, and I'm anal and I've got everything, you know, alphabetized and. Um, I collect my comics, you know, if it's, let's say, No Man's Lane, if it's telling one whole story, I don't keep the, okay, the Nightwing books are with Nightwing and the Robin are with Robin. If those stories are all contained in one, that's where all those are. So if Mm -hmm. I want to read them, I can read them all together. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I kept going like, well, maybe I put it with Nightfall so apparently, I never bought them, so I guess I'm a bad Tim Drake fan. So I'm looking at it on my iPad. <laughs> I,
2: don't, I don't think tonight. anybody could ever say you're a bad Tim Drake fan <laughs> because you don't have Showcase ninety three five and six. But I actually have like I've got one, I've got uh, one two three and four as well. So when when I read we can get into this, but when I started reading number five, I was like, what the hell's going on here? Yeah, I don't even know. But then but then I looked up information about the series and how it's an anthology series right and how it felt like all 12 issues follow like a whole storyline it's like a like a like a drama series or whatever it just like focuses on one character and then like the first four issues i guess were focused on catwoman like her yeah. in her at the her section of the story and then in issue 4 you get some uh, tim drake robin and it leads into the same. It's the same storyline. The same kind of time period. It leads into what you we will read in uh, five and six.
0: I had the same uh, thing. I was going. Do I need to get showcase number four to understand why Tim just got kicked in the back of the neck? You yeah. Because <laughs> I was a little confused at first, as seeing that it looks like you know the first panel Tim's on top of the tree, he's looking in, but then the next panel he's in the back cave, and then he's at the gate, and then he gets kicked, and I'm going. What in the what? world is going on in Absolutely. this issue? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely yeah, and I was, was
2: reading good. it and I was thinking like is is this catwoman that's talking? Like I don't or is it Tim? I don't understand and the, all of the uh, all the captions have these giant letters. <laughs> yeah. And man that's 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 pretty distracting. And, and I'm just like, man, this is garish. Like what's going on? But but once I I so I did go. So I read 5. And then I went back to four and read that, and I'm like, oh, okay, well, that makes sense. And then I read five again, and then I read, <laughs> then I read six.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I thought there was a glitch because I was reading five on, like, guided view, so you only see one panel at a time. <laughs> and I'm like, these are out of order or something. Like, this doesn't make – it makes no sense. And then I pulled back and went, like, back to full page. I'm like, oh, wait, no, this is in order. What's going on? And then it said yeah. – I went back to the description, and it said, uh, like – Leading out of the Catwoman story, you know, sort of spinning out of the Catwoman story. I was like, ah, I get some of this is flashback and it's out of order. Um, and uh, overall, I was not too crazy about issue five. And in fact, as I was reading it, my wife was sitting there and she peeked over and it was one of the scenes where – um Tim Drake's fighting the guy with the big tattoo and, and my wife is like what are you reading that looks horrible that looks awful like she so 90s it, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but oddly enough and not, not to get ahead of here I I really did not like issue 5 but I loved issue 6 I thought it was great and I'm like how is this the same writers and artists and everything and they totally didn't you know I, at least for me strike out on issue 5 but then had a really great issue 6 so um
0: yeah, um, and uh, I got a king snake vibe out of a uh, barracuda here, and I just kept hearing dunk da da dunk da dun, da dunk da dunk da, you know, yeah. <laughs> For the heart the whole entire time. I'm like, we got king snake, we've got barracuda,
1: you know, tattoos on the chest are really uh, oh, prevalent in the DC '90s. Characters. Yeah, <laughs> it is, and it's weird because I was like, I, they might have wanted to use king snake and then found out, wait, didn't he die or something? But his name's Barracuda. He looks or bra- Bracuda, Brac- Bracuda yeah. is that it? Yeah. He looks and I and, and like a stereo, like a bad stereotypic like Chinese villain or or, or Asian, you know, like but bad, like ster- like a stereotype, <laughs> yeah. with, even with the tattoo. But then they say in the beginning he's from Cuba, so like it didn't quite. And he's like at the Red Lotus restaurant, which appears to be Asian. So I don't know if he was just made his way to cuba from china or what but it, it kind of i was kind of who is this guy and i'm glad no one said hey let's bring him back i mean you know you're a big deal in gotham when you don't need to
0: wear a shirt <laughs> yeah. at all so like oh well you're gonna get the high rise uh out of here um our writer is doug mensch and uh we have uh kevin dwyer he was so small dwyer and uh Dick Giordano. Man, I can't yeah. talk tonight. So uh, the art had me with uh, Dick doing it, but uh, you can kind of see it's it, it starts off pretty good. And I think as the issue goes in 5, um, the art starts getting a little bit more on the sloppy side. There wasn't a whole lot of dialogue in a lot of the sections here. Barracuda, I believe that <laughs> that's his name. Bracuda. You know, Bracuda, yeah. As he's you know going into you know the sauna here, and they're trying to, um, which I thought was a, a kind of a cool scene uh, with Tim trying to you know fight him uh, in there through the, the the steam room and all of that. But uh, then it takes an ugly turn where uh, he gets the best of Tim and he falls. And it looks like he's falling onto his cape. Um, in uh, page nine here, if I've got the page number right, digitally. Oh, onto and, a bed of hot coals. Yeah, bed of maybe. hot coals. And yeah. then Tim flips him up and over and causes him to uh, land on his head and catch his hair on fire. So right away, I'm like, wow, this book is <laughs> getting kind of gruesome right away. You know, Tim's uh, hitting the guy with the bow staff in the back of the head. Uh, they're butting each other. And uh, I, I, we've kind of said it before that uh, with Tim – Especially, like, in some characters, uh, Tim would be able to get out of every scenario. I like it that they're still maintaining that Tim is still very new at doing this. Even the conversations with Commissioner Gordon is kind of, you know, giving Tim the pass of, like, well, it's okay. You know, even I didn't catch him the first time around. Mm -hmm. Um, That ties
2: into the second issue, too.
0: Yeah. Um, And... Uh, I think Terrence and I were keeping count of how many times Tim uses his slingshot, and we're like, "Well, he probably doesn't use it ever again after the Robin uh, miniseries, and you know Tim's using it again." So I think anytime Tim is outside of his own book in a miniseries, of uh, a slingshot's more prevalent. So I always kind of like that uh, in the arsenal for Tim.
1: The but, one thing I don't get with the fight is when the guy—I uh, can't say a barracuda, <laughs> barracuda, barracuda—in that very interesting diaper he's got on or something. Um, he runs out, he jumps in the pool, obviously, because his hair's on fire, to swim to the other side. But then, like, Tim jumps in the pool after him. Like, wouldn't it be quicker to just run to the end of the pool? <laughs> it just, yeah. It seemed kind of strange, oh. but, yeah. <laughs> um,
0: and and not he only... He was getting shot at. Yeah. Yeah, but then to come out on the other side and still get shot at, I mean, I kind of agree with Terrence. Like, if you were still going to get shot at, maybe have swung... Up and out over the pool.
2: Um, well, uh, bullets. Uh, once they hit water, they don't. They they don't yeah. go as far. I mean, right?
1: Yeah. 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 That's true. It's hard uh, to see a guy in a big red and green suit in underwater. It, it just you know it, it blends in. Yeah. <laughs> uh,
0: what did you guys think of uh, Commissioner Gordon in five here? I. It didn't feel like Gordon to me at all. It, he kind of seemed like a, a crotchety old guy behind a desk, which I know it's. You know, somebody other than the current Batman uh, writers at the time, um, not writing him, but he—he he felt more like a beat cop than Commissioner Gordon, at least from uh, from my point of view. Terrence, wait,
2: wasn't wasn't Doug right writing yeah DC comics at the time? Well,
0: uh, and I think I'm trying to look here if uh, he was actually, um, yeah, he was actually writing uh, Detective Comics or excuse me, the Batman. Uh, 492. So, yeah, this is the
1: right beginning of Nightfall. And so. it even has in the, the credits, like, Denny O'Neill was a consulting so- editor, because he was an editing showcase that Neil Posner Posner was. Yeah. But, so, yeah, it, it did seem a little off, but um, not incredibly. And, you know, Commissioner Gordon was during this time, sometimes came off a lot older than eventually. Mm-hmm. They kind of retconned him to be a lot younger. Um... So, yeah, this is kind of the old crotchety Gordon. Yeah.
0: Um, I Again, this he kind of makes me feel like he's a uh, King Snake wannabe, especially uh, on, I believe it's page 16, where he and Robin are jumping. Actually, he's grabbing hold of Robin, and they're flying out through the gargoyle, which very much feels like what kind of happened to King Snake at the end of the first Robin miniseries, where um, it looks like they're landing on little separate roofs all the way down until eventually getting all the way to the bottom. And it almost looks like on 18 that Tim has hit the ground and he can't move. And then all of a sudden he's like, I think that's coming across. He's saying it out loud, like, Oh, I can't move. Mm -hmm. And as he's coming through him, he's like sucker and kicks him over. Um, but it's, it's a series of okay, we're gonna fall out of this window, we're gonna land on this roof, and now we're gonna land on this roof, and now I'm gonna kick you into the restaurant in here. And I like the uh, fortune cookie. Uh, that's <laughs> you know, uh, <laughs> I can see that like
2: it's in a like it's in a movie or something like a where it's just like nice and quiet, and and they open it
1: up and then all the yeah, you know,
2: <laughs> I thought that was kind of cool.
1: I love the fortune cookie. That that that's the highlight of the issue for me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And you can almost just
0: hear the violin music in the background. Yeah. And bam! You know they're they're coming in through the table.
1: And you uh, know, Rob, uh, you said like Gordon doesn't really sound like himself to you. I thought Tim didn't sound like himself. Yeah. To me. The the internal dialogue didn't work. And Ryan's right; those those big letters um, so is very distracting. Yeah. Especially there's one panel where it's just the one word he says "yep" and the big "y," <laughs> and yes. then there was thing like it 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 took away from the action cuz he's like says like he's not human so i was thinking like oh so is he a metahuman does he have like i'm not i wasn't getting that it was supposed to be lingo and it and then there's one where he says oh where can i find it oh right here um, whatever he is, it's wicked persistent. I'm like, oh, now is he from Massachusetts? You know, like, <laughs> he's wicked awesome yeah. at Xbox. You know, and yeah. so the and then it's like, oh, I can't move. No, I can't, it. Well, if it's who, no one says that in an. I know it's a comic book, but no one would say that in an internal monologue. And then this one, he says, "Now the I'm mad. Yeah. yeah, and uh oh, and stuff. It just, it just really. Not only was it not Tim's dialogue, it was just really bad dialogue. And luckily, like. I was pleasantly surprised to see there was none of that in issue six. Somebody yeah, must have weird. given the memo or something. <laughs> like, don't do that again. Um, and sometimes I would make a pass for
0: maybe somebody like Doug Menschier if it's writing it. Going, this could be his one of his first times writing Tim. I think somebody like Chuck Dixon. You know, you've got the feeling that he got Robin pretty much right at the onset here. So sometimes I will give it a pass, like. Uh okay maybe he didn't get it but he sure gets Tim down in the main Batman title um, so yeah I I kind of had some some issue with that here and then of course you know uh, the police arrive here and uh, as abruptly s- the issue started it kind of stops right with Tim passing out yeah. on onto on to Commissioner Gordon. Uh, final thoughts on five here before we take the jump over to six. I think uh, Terrence has already kind of said it. My feelings were kind of the same way. Um, maybe this is why I didn't pick up <laughs> five and six. It just it seemed it seemed off. And sometimes with my comic shop, that if it wasn't on the wall, I it's not like the internet. Like you know, this was going to come out. So I thought this, the showcases were so sparse that right. if, I, if, if it wasn't on the wall, then it, it just it, it didn't exist to me. Uh, What did you think, Terrence?
1: Yeah, you know, uh, showcases are weird because I didn't know this at the time when I was buying it. But, uh, you know, a lot of these showcase issues were new artists or new writers. uh, And they were giving them – this was their trial. um, And I forget what website uh, or which podcast it was on. But they were talking to – uh the the batwoman artist um, um jh williams the yeah. third and he had mentioned which is actually showcase 93 number 12 was his first comic it's a green lantern story where they said all right well we'll give you a showcase issue which is shorter and let's see if you can do that so um you know may, maybe you know doug munch didn't um didn't put as much time into it. Maybe it was a rush job. Maybe someone had gotten it and they had to cancel. Maybe he just said, like, hey, just draw a lot of fight stuff and I'll put dialogue on it later. Yeah. Um, it, or
2: maybe it was, like, um, like since this is a 12-issue thing, maybe they already had, editor, editorially, they already had, like, this is the story that's happening here. Hey, Doug, you'd actually just write it. Like, they maybe already had an yeah. idea what they wanted or something.
1: Yeah. So, um, and then it, it seems like, for whatever reason, he, he got it together for number six or or something. So, um, you know, overall I did not like this issue, but I like six. So I guess they're, they're one in the, you know, they're the same part of it, but it's kind of cool. One way to see the process of how like a writer can change and and how they can improve and make it better. And you know what works and what doesn't work. Yeah. Uh, Ryan, what were your thoughts on five?
2: Uh, Yeah. I mean, it's, it's obviously not the, the, the best Tim Drake story ever, but, uh, I I thought it was a cool concept uh, that it, the whole story was just basically an extended fight sequence, you know, <laughs> with with Tim Drake. But I, overall, if uh, since so, uh, a lot of the things that Tim does don't seem very Tim-like, but there are little pockets here and there, there are little glimmers of cool things where it feels yeah. like um, that throughout the this gauntlet of. Uh, uh, fighting that he's doing it sometimes tim kind of uses his detective skills during the fight to try to get an advantage over over bracuda and i thought that was that was pretty cool so there's there's some cool stuff in it but uh six is definitely stronger and five five is kind of like a cool action scene basically that just leads into a a a better story
0: yes well let's get into six here uh one stone is the uh story and the conclusion for tim in this uh part here um and I I think the the pencils are done a little bit better, or actually I should say a little more consistently. I wouldn't I don't know, but say if they're better. Uh, some of the panels of Tim here do look a little rough in the very uh, beginning, especially where Tim is awkwardly leaning into Commissioner Gordon, which I know he's been half knocked out here, uh, but his face looks a little scrunched up here. Um, I've always liked Harvey Bullock, especially when they draw him like a
1: sloppy mess. Looks like <laughs> yeah. he has pizza stains and just. Pins or look eating, are like half falling down. <laughs> always eating something. I think he's eating a chili dog later. But they'd always draw him with like a half-eaten donut or something. Yeah. Uh, we kind of get a little bit of a re- uh, recap of the, you know,
0: onslaught that uh, Robin went through here. But something that um, you don't see too much in comics, even I think back in the '90s or even now, is uh Robin basically telling or Robin uh, Commissioner Gordon telling Robin uh we don't have any evidence on him and we're going to have to let him go and he could actually probably file charges for assault uh for you and Tim just kind of looks, you know, awestruck on it that y- you're letting him go and even though Tim thinks it's kind of technicality that thought of like yeah you kind of the the only evidence that we had is you two had a fight here and you kind of attacked him first so I kind of liked seeing that as sometimes they'll just kind of gloss over it, but they kind of pointed the finger to that. What do you guys think about, you know, those type of real life scenarios? Do you not like to see those in comics or do you kind of like them to be brought uh, to attention? Terrence?
1: Yeah, that's what what I really liked about this issue. And I I do understand comics. You have to, you know, stretch the, the laws of, you know, real life a bit. But I liked it because it was showing that Tim's not, Totally ready yet, not, or not, not totally you know, on Batman's level, but instead of just, you know, nine out of 10 other writers would have him face some, you know, tough guy and get beat up or lose a fight or, you know, get, get, you know, kidnapped for Batman to save him. Here he, he actually wins the fight. But his mess up is he forgot to get the evidence for you know to put him away, and it, I thought that was a really clever way to to show like you know yeah he's still learning he's still making mistakes but not the old cliche of just oh yeah he just got beat up and ready for round two. Uh, Ryan?
2: Yeah, I thought that was awesome, especially in a, in a series like this where one thing leads into another. It, it was very much like a like a like a drama or something where one episode or issue is this whole thing. And it leads into the next thing where it's a cause and effect. And, and it was used to very, a very good effect I thought. And it just speaks to Tim's inexperience. You know, if you look at it and you say, well, Batman would have caught the guy and had evidence at the same time. No, no, no sweat. Uh, so it was cool to see Tim like absolutely exhausted from fighting (laughs) this guy and be like, wait, everything I did didn't matter. Um, and to see what happens later in the issue with, with Batman and how he's trying his best to kind of slowly train Tim up, but, uh, keep his confidence up. I, I just, I just overall thought the story is pretty excellent.
0: Yeah. And I like the, I got a law and order, uh, vibe here where, uh, we're on the page four with, uh, like I had said previously where Gordon was saying, you know, you're not Batman, you're still learning. And he says, uh, yeah, by the time I graduate this high school of hard knocks, I'll, I'll still I'll I'll be one big lump and you know he says you know don't fool yourself kid you know I haven't brought him down either so kind of given the pass to Tim that it's it, it's okay to make mistakes but you know be careful what you're doing and make sure not that you're be like Batman but make sure you get all your bases covered so I I liked that and that's kind of what made me gravitate towards Tim you know even more that he i could be relatable like yeah i need to mow the yard when dad says to mow the yard you know (laughs) those type of things
1: yeah and to go back before we get to page four on page two there's like a recap of the fight and i thought the art and the action in that little recap was better in just that one panel than the entire previous issue of (laughs) action and then the hitman who he tells them yeah kill him i actually feel sorry for this hitman i know that's kind of i shouldn't but uh (laughs) And I, and, and that cop with like two things of donuts and he's eating one in like little stuff like that. I, I kind of I love that comic. Don't get donuts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, just the, the background
0: little gags that they would, uh, put in there. I really like, and sometimes in the nineties comics that they, they would just kind of give you a, a purple background and not really do mm-hmm. stuff. But when they do little things like that, that I was kind of, you know, looking at the cop there and just, you know, other little things, uh, that they may drop in from time to time, and even <laughs> in four, it looks like there's a picture of Jim Gordon and Sarah Essen, you know, in the background.
2: Yeah, there's some other cool stuff like that that we can get into later in the issue. But did did, it, did I miss something? Like, what's the deal with the with the Nazi guy on page one? Like,
0: I'm um, I'm glad you brought that up because that was a note I had here. I don't think he was
1: in the previous issue at all.
2: I was just looking through it. I'm like, I, I don't I don't see him. Maybe I'm missing something.
1: Yeah, he seemed out of place too, and it it, it seems a little weird because they transitioned from being sort of out on the street, I guess in front of the Chinese restaurant, The Lotus something or other, to be all of a sudden being in the police station where he's with his lawyer pretty quickly. It, it, and so I didn't know if that Nazi guy was just some guy that the police were bringing in to show like uh, now they're at the police station now um as opposed to the, the cuz on the next page next panel they're in the police station and you see like the two cops have a guy but he's kind of in blue you can't tell if that's the nazi guy as well or oh yeah they're else. In, they're in headquarters so,
2: okay
1: yeah yeah but that all that happens in the course of
0: three panels well four once you you know go over it looks like they're outside the restaurant and then consoling tim outside of it and bam we're right in so you don't really get a lot of perspective of where they're at, other than in the previous issue, Tim has knocked the guy out on the floor. So, yeah, that happens rather pretty quickly, and I kind of go, well, they're telling two other stories in this book, and you only have eight pages to tell the
1: story. So mm-hmm. uh, they're trying to use as little few panels as they possibly can. When I first read it – and you can you can make a sound clip of how many different times I say his name wrong, but Bracuda. Bracuda. You got it. You got it, <laughs> yeah. I, when I first read, it, I thought it was one of his henchmen, and then yeah. the Nazi symbols. I was like, "Well, wait a minute. Was am I missing something?" And then I, I, just now, I think he's just some random guy. So yeah.
2: Here's something I loved on page four, though, is uh, Gordon breaking the pencil.
1: Like, yeah.
2: I love that so much that I feel like, oh man, I hope that he does that like all the time. I hope there's like a <laughs> yeah. like a cup or like a tra- like a special pencil breaking <laughs> trash can that he just always just keeps breaking pencils, and there's just a whole tub full of full of broken pencils that <laughs> yeah I, I, that's
0: the case you know a, a little gag might have been nice that every time tim comes in he breaks a pencil and like it ver- startles him or something yeah it startles him <laughs> or he's like man this kid is screwing up and at the end there'd be this shot of the trash can just overflowing with pencils i thought that been a, a funny <laughs> little gag but yeah. I, I liked that too that they decided to put that beat in there
2: yeah like, or, you know, he's he, maybe he's trying to quit smoking and he's just holding <laughs> on to this pencil instead. He's just like, and he just <laughs> <it>. <laughs> Uh
0: I like the uh, lucky shot that uh, Bracuda's henchman gets that yeah. just happens to hit the bat line that, you know, in another issue is really incredibly strong that it can hold a bus or, <laughs> or, or something like that. But
2: uh, Yeah, that's at- bullcrap based on uh, Batman 608. You know how hard it is apparently to break a bat a bat line. You know the uh, the first part of uh, of hush. Hush. Yeah. yeah, yeah that's like, the same thing. Yeah. Batman's like mid fall. Like he doesn't care that he's falling or whatever. But he's just like, hey, somebody cut my line. That's impossible. <laughs> yeah. You know, and here just like this guy just like shoots the line. He looks like so like shocked that he did it.
0: I did it, boss. And then to even you know I like the sequence here, which is very much uh kind of drawn the same way that the fight sequence was on two. Um, where it looks like we have two different pencillers here, but where Tim's falling and he's got to throw the rest of the rope around the you know laundry line and then spin off the uh, side of the wall and hopefully he can land in of all places, of course, the trash can. So I thought but the art was uh, done a little bit better in this uh, sequence here,
1: and the dialogue too, because the dialogue explains like he's like got to kick off tuck and tumble, mm-hmm. pray, like it kind of. Yeah. Drives the action a bit, where the other dialogue was just random stuff of, you know, like he's not human, you know, which, you know,
2: <laughs> and she'll be surprised. <laughs> <whatever>. Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> um, I do.
0: What I the another comical beat. Even I even find that kind of funny a, a little bit. Well, really kind of Peter Parkerish, you know, a little bit where you're kind of explaining, mm-hmm. you know, the action, but to kind of go uh, with Bracuda's uh henchman here coming in and being like, basically he's saying, well, well, he's like, I did it. You know, I got one lucky shot. Well, is he dead? I'm kind of like, well, I, I saw him go down, you know, so of course he is. And then finding the R. you know, inside of the door. And the guy's like, oh, I guess I'm not so lucky after all, you know, that whole type of thing. Um, a little... Uh, thing that, uh, Terrence and I loved is the 90s technology that they would use that they could, you know, have this big, huge, you know, device in their little tiny, uh, utility belt and they're tapping into wires and pay phones. And, you know, here's Tim on top of a, uh, <laughs> telephone line here and he's got, you know, the headset and everything in. You can kind of see the panel open. Those things kind of, you know, make me chuckle, you know, now uh, looking at our technology and back then, you know, you kind of bought it because, like, wow, they, they must be able to do that type of stuff. <laughs> Um, and I thought this is the only kind of the slow spot, um, of the story where we're kind of going back and forth with, uh, Gordon and, uh, Tim Drake about, you know, uh, he's needs to get the evidence and is kind of, you know, alluding to, you know, are you going to get Batman's help or you not, or, you know, have you talked to him, that type of thing. Um, and then I thought... Getting into page fourteen, I thought we were having the same conversation with Commissioner Gordon and realizing oh he's on the phone with Bracuda and I love the Simpsons drawing. Did, did you guys oh. catch that?
2: Oh that's here? that's my major note is like Bracuda sucks, the Homer Simpson doodle. And it and they do it more than once. You see it like yeah. again later in the issue. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs>
1: Well, so, you know, it's funny because I had forgotten about this. But when I saw that, I clearly remembered 1993 reading this because there was two things that annoyed me about this. One is Robin being in Showcase. It was like, come on, just give him his own book already. Like he's hmm. had three miniseries that sold well. Now we're doing a showcase before he gets his own book. So I was a little annoyed at that. And when I saw this, I now. Keep in mind, I was what was I? I was like, you know, nineteen, I think, at the time. So I was so annoyed that they put Tim Drake as a third base fan. I don't know if most people know but that was like oh, some famous yes. hip hop group back then. I, you remember those guys? <laughs> and I was like, come on, give him drone Metallica or Guns N' Roses or the ACD <laughs> sim or Van Halen or something but third base. I mean, it I also was also living it when I saw that.
0: Yeah. Uh, just so you know, Terence, the credits for this episode, I have a note here. I am going to use third base.
1: Okay, yes. But it does have Nirvana on there. And then 8-Ball, yeah. I don't know, is eight, was 8-Ball eight a band or something? I don't know, was that just like some random thing? But, yeah, the Homer Simpson's hilarious. But the And it looks like he drew like a, a Red Hot Chili Peppers kind of symbol too. Yeah. I don't know if that was oh, just yeah. a star. But the third base, yeah, that got me. I, I was livid at that. So, yeah. Yeah,
0: I think Tim definitely would have been into you know Nirvana or Guns N' and, Guns and Roses easily. I mean, Use Your Illusion was out at that time. So, yeah.
2: Something uh, else that's cool, speaking of 1993, uh in my physical copy issue, uh on page 13 on, uh, opposite the uh the ad is uh for the Super Mario Brothers movie. Yes, which favorite. is which is directly related to the website I run. <laughs> so, yeah. I was like, "Oh, this is so
1: cool." <laughs> And that that movie is so amazing just uh I remember when that came out and, and I not even seen the movie the trailer and seeing the images of the World Trade Center like destroyed and like blowing uh, yeah. my mind and then when September 11th happened I like like I immediately thought of the Super Mario Brothers movie of like oh my goodness like it was just you know, like it's it's eerie how it's, Yeah and, yeah it's
2: pretty insane really yeah. the
1: similarities And that was kind of before the whole trend. Like now it's like commonplace to see like landmarks destroyed. I think Independence Day or maybe Armageddon or the two were like the popularized that. And I think my kids have seen every landmark ever blown up at some point (laughs) in the movies. But at this point, 1993, that wasn't really done. Like you didn't really see – like I saw Superman – Move the Leaning Tower of Pisa straight and then move it back at the end. Like To, to see that kind of destruction was pretty yeah. remarkable. Well, in
2: Mario Brothers' case, it was just, this is on the side, but in Mario Brothers' case, it was kind of unfortunate because the, the movie was built around a parallel universe. Mm-hmm. And so, in the parallel universe uh, where the dinosaur uh, humanoids lived, uh, Koopa's Tower was based off the World Trade Center and it simply was not finished yet. So, it had like some construction stuff and everything for the second tower. Mm -hmm. And so when the worlds merged at the end, instead of the building blowing up or whatever, it was just like merging and it looked like the other tower. But, but yeah, but then when in context now after September 11th, you watch it and you're just like, Ooh, that's a little too close to home, I guess.
0: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And normally you wouldn't like, you wouldn't see stuff like that you may see the world trade center but it'd be the a building behind or it would be you know the eiffel tower that wouldn't be destroyed it would be you know some other you know building so it it didn't make it feel real but yeah like you said now we've seen you know hundreds of buildings in movies that we you know all know and love be destroyed and when it's actually becomes a real thing you kind of go back to those movies and go wow that's that's odd uh, the conversation that Tim has here on fifteen with Bruce Wayne, and I was trying to go, trying to put this into continuity or, or in the timeline of Nightfall, really doesn't work. So, Ryan, I wanted to ask you, since you had read uh, some of the previous uh, showcase issues, does it make mention where Bruce Wayne was and why he's not in Gotham City?
2: I, at this you know point? what, I I looked through four, and it the, didn't really show that. Uh, so I was I was wondering about that too. Uh, maybe as we talk, I will go poke through my other issues and see if we can solve the mystery before the show's over. Uh,
0: it, any of your uh, thoughts here on the conversation, uh, Terrence, with uh, Bruce and uh, Tim? It always kind of makes me, when you're trying to do a story of Tim, um, I was always really reluctant to like, oh, don't, don't have him call Bruce. Let him figure it out on his own. And he did that so well in Robin 1 and then Robin 2, the Joker's Wild, that he didn't have to resort to calling Bruce, or he was Bruce was away that there was no way he could get a hold of Bruce. So, kind of seeing the phone call here, I was like, really? So, I don't know if that bothered you at all being a Robin fan, or I guess if this was the Joker, I would have been like, all right, yeah, I, I guess I can see a phone call. But uh, being King Snake knockoff, I was kind of bothered by the phone call. But Uh, It it does pay off at the end, but Terrence, your your thoughts?
1: It didn't bother me. One thing I, I missed here, I, I was also on the Homer Simpson drawing. I forgot. I kind of liked the two um, next to the Super Mario Brothers, uh, how Tim records the conversation, and he's like, "Aha, I got him!" And then Gordon's like, "Yeah, that's you can't record yeah. that without a court order." Like once again, like instead of just having him get beat up, it's like showing him learning. Like he won't make that mistake again. But this is like the learning process of Robin, which I liked. And I actually liked him calling Bruce. Now I was very confused at this point because I'm like, "Well, is this in Nightfall? Is it after Nightfall?" Bruce was laying on the bed, so I'm like, well, can he move? Is he paralyzed here? Is this the the quest? Um, and I, I, after reading it, came away saying, no, this is pre-nightfall. This is not, you know, this is just Bruce's away on a mission somewhere or something like that. Um, and I didn't mind it because I didn't think that um, – it wasn't like Tim was like, tell me what to do or I need you to come back to Gotham and do this for me. It was more like I've got this plan. I've kind of messed up a couple of times. Can I run this by you? Which is kind of what a mentor is for, what someone you would want for. So I kind of liked it as sort of in the mentoring process.
0: And I I, I like here, too, as it's kind of moving through 16, that, uh, you know, here's Bullock with his hot dog, and, uh, you know, the bat signal is on, and Batman ends up showing up. So... It's not really stated where Bruce is, so I was buying it the whole entire time. Like, well, maybe Bruce was just kind of outside the city hanging out, waiting to see what was going on. And he has a little discussion here with uh, Commissioner Gordon, basically saying, you know, don't let Robin know I'm here. You know, uh, I'll be watching, you know, if need be, I'll be there. But let's just keep this between you and I. So I was like, wow, how did Bruce get from one area to another? But I
1: he's Batman. He can be anywhere that he needs to be. Yeah. And I was very confused, too, at this point. I'm like, well, is this is this Bruce Wayne Batman or is this John Paul Valley Batman? And then I think it's Bruce Wayne. So, that's the conclusion I came to. Yeah. Um.
0: And then, you know, we
1: get our last
0: uh, confrontation uh, – I can't talk tonight. Confrontation with bracuda and, you know, we got the uh, Homer Simpson drawing again and third base being almost top and center here, Tim's favorite band uh, at the time. And uh, this is the information that, you know, uh, Robin says that he's going to give him, and it's that, uh, you know – moment where Tim can finally get down to the ground and start uh, beating some butt here. Um, As this was going on, I was still, once we get to the end here and Tim has used a slingshot and taken his one pellet left, he could take down uh, two guys with one pellet here. What is the thing that ends up that the police can say, okay, well now we can arrest him. I was still scratching my head by the time we get to the end of this. So I'm like, so how can you get these guys now as opposed to you couldn't get them earlier? Did I miss something
1: here? Terrence? No, I I thought so too. I I was like, yeah, what exactly did he get on them? And then I thought, well, I guess they've got guns and maybe they were out of the, you know, trying to shoot somebody on the bridge, but the whole any of his previous crimes or racketeering or mob involvement, I don't see how they got any evidence for that, but maybe just for, you know, I guess if you've got your guns out and you're shooting someone on a bridge, the police have a right to arrest you, <laughs> yeah, right? Uh, your
0: thoughts here, Ryan?
2: Oh yeah, it, it's it is a little rocky. Like they don't come out and explicitly say, yeah, this is why. But I guess I guess it's like a, I don't know, like some kind of sting operation or something where it, like he he came out to kill him, based on saying that there was a contract out to hit, get kill Robin or something. It's it's a little unclear, but. I was like, eh, it
0: worked. <laughs> yeah, it worked. And then our last panel here, our last panel, our last page on 22 is, you know, Tim kind of relaxing and is celebrating his win here. And Batman is back in the Batcave. And uh, they kind of get their, you know, little pleasantries back and forth uh, about uh, – how he was able to take him down, and Tim's really quick to be like, well, you know, I got to go, got to head back home, and uh, just uh, my dad may need me. And then kind of seeing the rubber face down here on the bottom of page 22 and realizing that, wait a minute, Batman is uh, Jean-Paul. Uh, I did not see that coming in this uh, particular issue. So uh, no, He's n- not Jean-Paul, though. No, he's not Jean-Paul.
2: No, see, I had to read this to, to figure out what's actually going on. No, no, no. Uh, it's Bruce uh, dressed up as the undercover cop.
0: Oh, that's right.
2: And so so he so still had the undercover cop stuff on as Batman. So at the end, you're like, oh, Batman. Because when he talks to Gordon, he's like, Batman says that he's going to be there, but, not, but Gordon's the only one that will know. So Batman is there at the scene as the undercover cop guy.
0: And that's what I was thinking here. But in getting to that and getting the reveal – ...of the blonde-haired guy, I start thinking, well, okay, so the undercover cop is Bruce, so does that make this Jean-Paul? So, which begs the question is, how did you come to these two issues if that's not Jean-Paul?
2: No, because uh, he uh, he takes just the bottom part off. I guess he had a, f- a different nose and the beard or whatever. Gotcha. But he still has the, the blonde hair. It's either like a wig or something. Gotcha. So yeah, that's 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 what that said to me. It, it did take me a minute to be like, wait, what are they doing here? But I, I believe that's the case: is that he that it's it's Bruce.
1: Yeah, that threw me off too because I had the issue and I was flipping through it before I read it again, and I saw that last panel, and I saw the blonde hair, and I said, oh, Jean Paul will be Batman. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly. why later on, when he just showed up as Batman, I was like, who? But then when I saw the the you know mask off and everything the the fake nose and the stubble and stuff i realized ah that's the blonde wig of bruce pretending to be the undercover cop so but then i still was confused because i was like well was that jean paul pretending or i it could i it could probably be read either way i guess you could either read it because he never specifically says bruce so you could have read it as bruce called up jean paul and said hey i just talked to tim I need you to keep an eye on him, go undercover, blah blah. Or it could have just been Bruce doing it. I I, I, I guess because I'm not seeing any specific thing where Bruce or John Paul is referred to by name, just Batman.
2: So, well, earlier yeah. in the issue, he he's talking to Bruce, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and he says, and he says, I won't be back in Gotham for a week, so go for it. But then there's that panel where Bruce is just sitting there thinking. So I was figured that's where he's thinking like. Okay, I'll go back to Gotham as, as Batman, but then I'll tell Gordon and he came up with that whole plan in that moment that's that's mm-hmm. the way I read it
0: yeah i <laughs> that had that had me going that it was Jean Paul the whole entire time so i I like that all three of us kind of have a, a little bit different take on the ending, but I can see how all that you know <laughs> plays into effect and how each one of us got to that conclusion. So uh, with that, what did you guys uh, – do you guys like these uh, showcase issues? Was this something that you guys were always kind of excited about getting, like, oh, here's a cool showcase issue? Or was this just something that you bought and you kind of pretty much knew, like, well, the story's going to be whatever it is depending on who the writer is? Uh, Terrence?
1: You know, at the time – 93. Um, I didn't know a lot of these characters. You know, I was just starting to get to know some of these characters. So the showcase issues were kind of i think i picked and choose depending on who was in it and then i would get two others like blue devils in this i had no idea who blue devil was i still don't really know him too well (laughs) um and peacemaker so it was kind of cool to see but then sometimes you know you get a couple pages in and just not really be feeling it um i do like and i just flipped through this here now number 11 um showcase has an ad for the robin solo series it says alone Mm -hmm. at last so um that was kind of cool right yeah alone at last so Yep. Um I guess th- it was not too late that Robin came out. I-, I do know, too, I always had the feeling that when they had somebody like on the cover with the name, you're kind of like, well, you know, if this sells well, they might have a series or they might have something. Um, I always was a little disappointed because they always had really cool covers for the showcases where they had that like the three different story heroes like interacting and then that was never the actual Mm -hmm. like six that's such a cool cover with tim drake standing there with peacemaker and blue devil like i want to read that story you know yeah Yeah. i think that was a a lot for me picking these up too i usually bought it off
0: cover like face value of it and then getting and going oh robin and g-force aren't in this issue together and uh, I have a couple blue devil comics. I have no idea why I even have those unless I bought them <laughs> in, in a, in a bag of like, you know, there were five other comics and they were like five for a dollar. Like, Oh, cool. And you're like, Oh, blue devil. I don't know who this is, but okay. You know, uh, Ryan, what are your thoughts on the, uh, showcase issues?
2: I, I think it's kind of an underrated and pretty cool thing for, for me. The only time I had really ever been exposed to showcase was, was because they used part of the two issues later, uh, in nightfall. And of course there's an issue later on, I believe in showcase 93 or is it 94? One of those, uh, where they have, uh, it's, as Azrael. They, it's a, uh, nightfall aftermath stuff. Yeah. So, but this was actually a good excuse for me to go and read them and find out more about what showcase was and, Oh, it's a 12 issue anthology series. And that it's, they, for the first two years they did it, I guess they did it between 93 and 96. It looks like for the first two years, 93, 94, they, uh, they relied on Batman characters to kind of sell the the issues, so that would be the A story. So like you have Catwoman, Robin, Nightwing, I think at the end. So I think that's a cool concept. Um, and then you have the backup stories, and I just like the fact that it's a ongoing running, it's its own thing. So if you just got all twelve uh, showcase issues, you could that could be the only thing you picked up, and it's just like a extra cool story that's kind of self contained and keeps going. So I thought that was kind of neat and. Uh, and it, they're like I've had these issues for a while, but never had a good excuse to read them. Um, and I'm glad I did. It was a cool story. You know, uh, issue five was kind of a just a quick fight scene, but issue six I think uh, made it a well um, worthwhile Tim Drake story to, to take a look at. I think.
1: Yeah, definitely. Uh, That is pretty much the end of. Oh, I just Rob. I I just I wanted to expose you a little bit here because we we know you were lying before. We we all know you're a huge Blue Devil fan, (laughs) and you just don't want anybody to know, and that you do a podcast on Blue Devil under the uh, fake name of Bracuda Jones. I actually looked it up. There's an, a website. I've never seen this before. It's called writeups.org.org and they have a thing, and it appears that uh, Bracuda's first name is Ramon, and he yeah. is from Cuba, yep. and um, – Uh, He's also – his alias is also known as the Kuda, apostrophe C-U-D-A. But but it's
2: it's not these showcase issues. This is the only place he's ever appeared, I believe, right? Yeah,
1: Yeah. according to this, it has the whole showcase kind of storyline, but there's no Mm -hmm. other – and it has some of his famous quotes, which now I think I might have to get the Catwoman issues just to read it because apparently (laughs) – his famous quote to Catwoman: "He said, if you were not almost a man, I'd enjoy loving you." So yes,
2: I, I think that's in issue four.
1: <laughs> oh, that, that's man. quite an interesting. Yeah. I got to see how that plays out. Yeah. yeah.
2: So I read, I, I flipped through one, one, two, three, and four while we were talking, and it looks like, and yeah, there, there's some of that stuff. Um, it's Catwoman and Barakuda for most of all, but in all f- uh, four of those, one through four. Tim Drake is in it, but it's just very little, small scenes. I think building up to his actual story here. It's just Tim Drake and Gordon like talking here and there, or Tim Drake exploring Gotham and stuff. I think in the first issue is where he's just like, um, man, I, w- I wish Batman was here, but he's not. So I think that's really the, <laughs> that's the only set. I think that's the only setup that I could see about where where Batman is. Just he's not there. He's doing something Batman stuff.
0: And I think that's kind of cool too when you have a series like this that is running that, you know, I would try and figure out where it fit in. Like, okay, where does this go into Nightfall? Then you start realizing I don't think it is. It is kind of its own thing. And uh, you know, yeah. the comics do that for a time. You know, Batman could be fighting Clayface in one issue and could be off in Tunisia fighting Ra's al Ghoul in I the think- next issue. And it, it all kind of makes sense in the whole tapestry so um, I, these kind of things were always kind of cool and usually it caught my eye if I saw Robin on them I usually picked it up regardless of how uh, little or how much he was in the particular uh, issue and these, yeah. kind of, these kind of things are cool to do
2: yeah and that's the thing about continuity if, if you care about it enough you can kind of come up with the reason of why things are that way like for me I was reading and I was like okay Bruce is probably away right now because Chandra Kinsolving told him to like take a break and relax and stuff so he's probably on some kind of mandatory relaxation retreat or something you know.
0: <laughs> yeah. And you know it's kind of right around that time where he was in bed possibly and then Azrael yeah. was kind of dressing up as Batman or Tim might be doing something else uh, at that time so I kind of liked it and then like Terrence said it Made my mouth water even more like when is Tim going to get his own series? And as far as this podcast is concerned, it is going to happen very, very soon. Uh, the next uh, podcast that we'll do will be the conclusion of the main and nightfall story. And then we will be kicking off the Robin ongoing series. And right around the same time, DC Comics Rebirth is going to be uh, on our doorstep, and we'll be able to look at two different Tim Drakes in two different eras: current, current, and old continuity. That's pretty uh, awesome. I, I want to thank uh, Terence, as always, for doing this with me. It's a blast getting a chance to talk to you uh, about Tim Drake and Robin and the Batman universe, and then now we'll be kind of be able to continue uh, current Batman continuity and kind of maybe talk about some of the other books that we're reading so uh thank you as always terrence for for doing this sir
1: oh yeah no awesome too and and I, I do in, um enjoy your blue devil podcast as well so you know <laughs> yeah check it out it's it's
0: it's on the fringe but i think it's gonna it's gonna gain some momentum and there were some firestorm issues that he uh, kind of dipped his toe in with uh blue devil so that that'll be kind of cool if you check out that podcast and if somebody out there is going i got to find this podcast keep looking
1: it's out there <laughs> i just like how you you were kind of like uh like just like i don't know why i have them and you had to like and you had to like do like a 3 minute rant like to justify like it must have been in a bag it wasn't <laughs> yeah. mine it was you know like like a like a guy from the 80s when he was buying like a playboy magazine you know, something like i don't know how that got there that's not well, mine i don't know like,
2: like, chain gang war yeah <laughs> yeah Rob, I
1: also have this Pamela Anderson Playboy
0: issue. We'll talk about that later. But this Blue Devil, what in the world? Yeah, (laughs) Uh, Ryan, thank you very much for coming back to the show. Um, It's been a blast having you on the the last two. And if I can get you to buy another book, and then you can come uh, back (laughs) again, uh, we're going to figure that out. But I think it goes without saying we'd love to have you back on uh, whenever you have uh, free time. Somewhere down the line, maybe when we hit uh, the Robin series, we'll kind of. uh, pull you back in and maybe see what you're kind of reading in dc comics rebirth but thank you sir for for doing the show uh these last two times
2: yeah no problem it was it was a lot of fun just talking bbs and some cool tim drake issues that it's just been a lot of fun
1: cool yeah if there's any like specific issue or robin story or tim drake mm. thing just let us know and uh we'll have you on if there's something in particular you want to talk about plus i heard a dog was that your dog yeah yeah he's it's,
2: he's he's a little puppy and he's uh
1: because I, I know you said uh, on the uh, the Batman on Film podcast <laughs> that you had to have surgery. So yeah, i was wondering, a, is he doing a, okay? He's yeah. a
2: four-month-old puppy, little beagle puppy, and he just got neutered last week. So he's, oh. got, he's got, the cone, <laughs> yeah. got the cone of shame on.
1: <laughs>
2: so, he's uh, doing okay? I mean, yeah, he's doing okay. He's okay, He just, just wants me to play with him, I think. <laughs>
1: All right, I wanted to ask you about it, but I didn't want to start the show off in case oh, things yeah. didn't go good. <laughs> and then it was no, no, no. A black cloud good. over He's everything, yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> Thanks for bringing it up, Terrence. Yeah, let's talk about Robin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, thanks for listening to Robin Everyone Loves the Drake here on the Batman Universe. We will see you guys again back here in about a month to uh, finish up uh, the first part of Nightfall and then getting into the Robin ongoing series. On the behalf of Ryan and Terrence, I am Rob. Thanks for listening to Robin Everyone Loves the Drake. We'll see you guys on the next episode. Take care. Thanks for listening to Robin. Everyone loves the Drake comic podcast. This podcast has been brought to you by the Batman Universe.net. Tim Drake, Robin, and all related Batman characters are under copyright of DC Comics. This podcast is solely for your entertainment purposes. There is no money exchanging hands at any time for any reason. I can't even find a quarter underneath my keyboard. So no infringement is intended by the show. This also applies to all music and sound clips as well. So there should be no need for you to send and Lex Luthor's lawyers after us. That would be greatly appreciated. Thanks. You can now get a hold of the show in a few different ways now. The most recent is on Twitter. We are at ELTD Podcast. You can also now get a hold of us via email. It only took me two years to get one. So if you want to email in, you can do so at robineltdpodcast at yahoo.com. Our Facebook page can be found at www.facebook.com slash everyone that loves the Drake. And as always, you can message directly over at the Batman Universe website. So email, tweet, message us. We'd love to hear from you, and we will read your comments on the air. The show that you're listening to can be found a few different ways through iTunes, Windows Media, and over at our host site, The Batman Universe. Leave us a review on iTunes if you listen there. It will help spread the word of the show. Make sure you head over to TheBatmanUniverse.net, your home for all things Batman and Robin. Thanks for listening to the show and hearing why everyone loves the Drake. We will see you in a few weeks. Take care.